Welcome in everyone to my weekly main show where we break down all the action from week 16. It's a really long week of football and we're going to break it all down. But before we do that, I just want to jump into kind of a slightly different segment from usual. Uh, just given all of the things that were going on in the fantasy football community this week, I just want to remind everyone that everyone can play fantasy football. Everyone. It's for, you know, women, men, you know, people of all ages, all races, whatever background. Fantasy football is for everybody. Anybody can click the button to set in a lineup. You know, anybody can do that. Anyone can make fantasy football trades. It's for everyone. It brings us all together. And that's important to remember, especially in light with all of the nonsense coming from Des Bryant, High Point Sports, all of that nonsense, all the crap that was being spewed out from over there. We just have to remember that, you know, it's a community and especially, you know, given that just some of the history, it's important to make everyone feel included. And um, I would suggest also that people check out some of the great female fantasy football creators that we have. I've retweeted a bunch of stuff if you've looked at my timeline. Uh, so you can check that out there. And then additionally, it's all over uh, Twitter. Uh, Women of Fantasy Football is a good group to kind of give you a quick way to find a lot of female uh, fantasy football creators. And um, yeah, I just suggest that we keep that kind of positive energy in mind and we avoid negative energy like what was spewed by Des Bryant um, and, uh, you know, those in those comments. It was very nasty. And I just, um, yeah, we just don't appreciate that. It's not what we're doing here. And, you know, again, I have all sorts of viewers on this show, all sorts of patrons, you know, I, every all genders, you know, all ages, <laughs> I believe as young as like 15 or 16 to as old as 60s or 70s. So yeah, total variety. Um, and I just think that that's very important. It's a very good thing. And uh, yeah, that's most of what I had to say about that. You can read all of it on my Twitter. I've had a lot more to say. Um, and I just uh, you know hope that the industry moves forward in a better way and isn't just blinded by celebrities um, because sometimes we learn that they're not so good people, uh, as we did uh, this past weekend. But anyway, just wanted to start with that. I've said so much about it on Twitter. I wanted to, you guys to hear it from me directly, uh, how I feel and that it's important to me. Um, but with that said, I do want to move into uh, this a lot of football news and other things to cover. And, you know, I hate to begin the show on two, you know, more serious, somber notes, but... We do have to cover this, which is, you know, probably the worst thing that happened uh, on the field this week. TJ Hawkinson, I'm not, there was a helmet play, a helmet hit his knee. It turned out that he suffered a season-ending torn ACL and MCL. Uh, it's brutal. For Dynasty, it's absolutely brutal. This late in the season, I cannot see that he's ready for uh, the beginning of 2024. I mean, this is a minimum nine-month recovery. So at best, he'll probably be placed on the pup 
and he'll return a few weeks into the 2024 season. It is brutal. It's brutal. We've seen that Javante Williams never really got back from the devastating knee injury, to give an example. Never was the same. So it's just tough. TJ Hawkinson's lucky, though. He has a long-term deal. He has long-term security. His contract is essentially locked down through 2025. So he's not going to be cut or anything. But he turns 27 in July. He's a you know, mid-aged player, not young, not old for a tight end. I still like him, but this injury pushes him out of the top tier of dynasty tight ends. Sam Laporte is my tight end one. I now have Trey McBride at tight end two. Dalton Kincaid, tight end three. Uh, Mark Andrews at tight end four. And because of this injury, I now have Kyle Pitts at tight end five. TJ Hawkinson is at tight end six. And you might wonder, where, where's Travis Kelsey? Ooh, ooh Travis Kelsey is... <laughs> we'll talk about him later. We, yeah. I want to try to get to something positive, though. Let's get to something positive. <laughs> so I do have a couple of news items, and we will get into them right now. So first of all, Aaron Rodgers is not coming back this season. We knew that, but, you know, I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, next, the Chiefs put before this week, Jarek McKinnon on IR with a groin injury. It's kind of tricky, especially with Isaiah Pacheco also suffering a concussion. We'll have to see what happens in week 17, but McKinnon's out for the rest of the year. Jalen Waddle this weekend suffered a high ankle sprain. It's going to make him miss probably the rest of the season, unless the Dolphins make a deep playoff run, but he'll miss at least the first round of the playoffs if the Dolphins make it. We'll see. I don't know exactly how severe it is, but it's brutal. It's brutal for the Dolphins. It Really, it seemed like Tua, when he has both Hill and Waddle in the lineup, is excellent. Without one of the two, not so excellent. And I will not be wanting to start Tua against Baltimore in Week 17. Mason Rudolph will start Week 17 for the Steelers. I don't think that's like a permanent arrangement. It's a lost season for them at this stage. Kenny Pickett is still hurt. So I think they're just going with Mason Rudolph. I don't think Mason Rudolph is their answer. I think we know that. It's still probably, unfortunately, Kenny Pickett. Uh, <laughs> the Vikings are decimated going into week 17. We know that, as I said earlier, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson has a devastating knee injury, but additionally, Jordan Addison has his ankle injury. Uh, I don't think they're going to have him for week 17. So I would be very cautious about starting Nick Mullins, who's like two bad girls away from being benched. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said that he doesn't know who his starter is going to be. So I would rather start none of them in week 17. Justin Jefferson will be a good start no matter who plays though. Trevor Lawrence got hurt again. It feels like he gets hurt every week at this point. The Jaguar season is on the line. So I suspect he's going to play week 17, as crazy as that is. They said it's not serious. I don't know, man. It's tough. Trevor Lawrence is just every week is getting hurt. I don't know. It's been ever since he lost Christian Kirk, it seems like the offense can't go. So we'll have to see. Zach Wilson will make, miss week 17 at this point. Who cares? Uh, Zach Wilson is a bust, and we know it. All right. Now, we're going to get into breaking down all of the games. I'm going to try to give you some dynasty takeaways from each game. Some games obviously have more dynasty takeaways than others. But we will start with the Thursday night game, which I will tell you literally feels like it was a year ago. Uh, the Saints versus the Rams. I barely even remember this game. But some takeaways, just to touch on them. 
Derek Carr actually had a good game, 319 yards, three touchdowns. The Russian game didn't do anything. But I think the big takeaway for the Saints was that Chris Olave finally looked like Chris Olave. He had nine nine catches, 123 yards on 13 targets. He led the team in receiving. Rashid Shahid played 82% of the snaps. Not 50, 82. He got involved. He had nine targets, five catches for 70 yards and touchdown. Jawan Johnson, 72% snap share, four for 48 and a touchdown on his seven targets. They realized that Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, and Jawan Johnson, not Taysom Hill, are their three best receiving weapons that they have with Michael Thomas out. So hopefully that's a good sign going forward, but uh, it gives me full confidence in Chris Olave in Dynasty. And unfortunately, I think Derek Carr uh, might be doing just enough to save his job. As for the Rams, they smashed across the board. Matthew Stafford still looks great. Pukunakua and Cooper Cup played 99 and 100% of snaps. Nakua had nine catches for 164 and a touchdown. He's he's first-round startup pick in one QB dynasty at this point. Um, but yeah, outside of that, Demarcus Robinson is the biggest short-term takeaway. Six catches, 82 yards and a touchdown, six targets, 93% snap share. Uh, he's a wide receiver three in week 17, as crazy as that is. Um, but there's not much to take away from Dynasty. Pukunakua is a star. Kyron Williams gets all the work, and he's someone you can count on for next year. And, uh, yeah, there, there's not much else to say about the Rams. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. Bengals versus Steelers. So, Jake Browning, the Jake Browning uh, fever kind of wore off, but he wasn't horrible. He did have the three interceptions, but he did complete 28 of 42 passes, 335 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't horrible across the board. The backfield, you know, Joe Mixon took 59% of the snaps, had 11 carries to Chase Brown's four. Mixon is still the lead back. I don't know what's going to happen next year. If Joe Mixon is willing to take a massive pay cut, I think they would like to bring him back and have Chase Brown as the complimentary back. He's looked good in limited work. I think that's their ideal plan, but we'll have to see what Joe Mixon is willing to do. I think it'll be more of a split next year than it's been this year, though. As for the rest of the team, T. Higgins had that one long play. He had five catches for 140 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. He's heading towards free agency. I don't know if they're going to be able to use the franchise tag on him. I don't think they're going to be able to afford to assign him and Jamar Chase to long-term deals. So if he gets out of there, Depends on where he goes. If he goes to Kansas City as the wide receiver one, he'll get a massive value boost. If he goes to Carolina, maybe not. So we'll have to see. Um, But I think the main thing is that Andre Yoshivash should be rostered in all dynasty leagues. All of them. Get eight targets, which is good. Four catches for 36 yards. Felt like he was getting involved a lot early in the game on scripted plays. So that means that he was intentionally a part of the offense. Not you know, just randomly getting targets. So he's someone that I would uh, definitely roster if he somehow is on waivers in your league, uh, just in case T. Higgins leaves, which he probably will. Tyler Boyd might leave as well. So we'll see. And the offense could use a real tight end. I think that's very clear. Drew Sample and Tanner Hudson aren't getting it done. Irv Smith was a healthy scratch. We talked a little bit about Mason Rudolph. Uh, He was pretty good. 290 and two touchdowns. Got George Pickens involved. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris split the backfield again. Najee scored the touchdown, but had fewer snap share. 
I think this is going to be a split for eternity. Like for this year, and Najee Harris is under one more year of the contract next year. They have the fifth year option, which they'll probably decline for 2025. This is going to be a split. It's going to stay a split. And there's nothing that can be done about that. Najee Harris had more touches, fewer snaps. Jalen Warren had all the passing game usage. And of course, George Pickens. (laughs) Now he gets four catches for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Now he does that. Now when no one plays him. Now when it's one week too late. It's all too late, but he did do it. So I don't know. I think that George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, what is their future here? I don't know. No one really seems happy. Um, Pat Fryermuth is really unhappy. No targets. 63% of snaps. He's fading hard. He might have been a Ben Roethlisberger thing. I don't know. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, for me, has kind of faded out of the dynasty high-end value range. He's, i got to say, I don't think he's a dynasty tight end one anymore. I think he's more in the 13 to 15 range. And Darnell Washington is taking playing time. Six, 49% of snaps for Washington to 63 for Frymuth. And Washington had one target. At least it's one instead of zero for Pat Frymuth. So that's the main focus. The Steelers have an offseason ahead of them. I mean, I don't know if George Pickens and Deontay Johnson will both be back. I would lean that they'd keep the younger and cheaper Pickens and get rid of the older Johnson under the bigger deal. But, you know, that that's what I would lean. They'll probably bring in someone else. They need to make changes to this offense because it's boring. And these long plays from Mason Rudolph to George Pickens were the most exciting thing from this offense in a long time. Next, let's jump into the Bills versus the Chargers. So in this one, Josh Allen, he got it done, but it was mostly due to the two rushing touchdowns. This was 15 to 21 for 237 yards, touchdown and interception. He was fine, but it's scary that the rushing production is carrying him. Unfortunately, those two rushing touchdowns took away from James Cook. He did 20 carries for 70 yards, so he had some work, but didn't score, no receiving work, and he fumbled twice and lost one. So I hope that you looked at what I said about James Cook kind of being a sell after last week. So for me, he's still not worth a first. He's not in that group of running back. Running backs have to be really good to be worth that. He's not in that group for me. So yeah, if if you can get like 109 for James Cook, I would just take it. Leonard Fournette became the backup. Not that that means anything, but he was the backup. Not Ty Johnson was hurt. Uh, Latavius Murray didn't see any carries. So yeah. As for the receiving offense, now Gabe Davis. (laughs) Yeah. Now Gabe Davis goes off four catches for 130 yards and touchdown. Then LPFE started him in week 15 and were eliminated. 85% 85% snaps for Gabe Davis, 60% for Stefan Diggs. Why? Why? Why was that the case? Please explain, Bill's offense, why that was the case. I get it. You won. But you really think that was the best use of your personnel? Why did Khalil Shakir play 58% of snaps and Dalton Kincaid 42? Trent Sherfield played 60% of snaps and had no targets. What was he doing? Like, please explain. Someone who knows, please explain what the purpose of that is in the Bills' offense. Why does that help? Why? What is the benefit of that? It did not show up in Josh Allen's numbers or volume or anything. So what was the purpose of that? 
So I, I don't know. So I, yeah, this offense is broken. Stefan Diggs is not going to be there if he is getting a 60% snap share and five catches for 29 yards. He will not be there. He's, I've heard from Buffalo fans, oh, it's all overblown. Oh, oh, oh. no, it's not. Stefan Diggs is like most NFL wide receivers. He likes getting the ball and he likes being on the field. If those things are not happening, he will not be there. It's very simple. It's very simple. So they're going to have to make some changes or, or something, but they can't just redo it next year. Like, I get it. They won the game, but winning isn't everything. You know, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. And I said they were woefully unprepared at wide receiver, and it might not work out to run it back. They ran it back, and now here we are. So, you know, you can win and still not be perfect. Um, there's only been one team in the NFL that was ever perfect. As for the Chargers, there's nothing to say. We don't care about Easton Stick's performance for Dynasty. We don't care about that. Um, as for the backfield, Austin Eckler did reclaim it. He played 64% snapshot, had 15 of the 18 running back carries, three receptions to only one for the other two backs. So he reclaimed it, but it wasn't that good. I still think they're moving on from Austin Eckler at the end of the year. And um, however... It's easy to note that Josh Palmer is their wide receiver one, not Quinton Johnson. Palmer led in snaps and targets over Johnston and production. He had five catches to two for Johnston. So Quinton Johnson's looking like a bust to me. My guess, they just bring Keenan Allen back, cut Mike Williams, and next year they have Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Quinton Johnston as their three wide receivers. But Quinton Johnston right now is third on, would be clear third on that list in terms of the depth chart. If you've made it this far into the video, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Very important. If you're watching it on Premiere, I thank you for any comments in the chat. Uh, make sure to hit that notifications bell so you can be notified about future content, of course. Uh, make sure to sign up for Patreon. It's, uh, you know, the link is probably in the chat. It's at the bottom of the video in the top right corner if you're watching it after. Other ways for top right corner. Never get that right. Uh, and of course, make sure to check out my Tyler solo content. Uh, it's all Dynasty content mostly. I've had uh, over a thousand views on my Dynasty Stash videos, so I appreciate the audience for that. And additionally, I started a cameo. <laughs> I know it's kind of silly, but if you're interested, I'll record some custom videos for you on cameo. Cameo, uh, you just search Tyler FF Creator and you'll find it on there. So take a look at that if you're interested in something silly or fun during the offseason. With that said, let's move it into Commanders versus Jets. Sam Howell benched again. Again. Uh, he went six for 22 for 56 and two interceptions. He had 56 yards on 22 attempts, two interceptions. He's done. Jacoby Brissett came in and was 10 of 13 for 100 yards and a touchdown. There's no future for Sam Howell. He is not going to be their 2024 starter. People should stop saying that he's going to be because he's not. I begged you to sell him three weeks ago. I begged you to sell him all season. I never believed in Sam Howell. I still don't believe in Sam Howell. And it, it's not a serious suggestion to say that he's going to be a team starting quarterback next year. It's just not. People can say it, but that doesn't mean that it's true. So as for the rest of the team, Howell's poor play just torched the entire offense. There's nothing to talk about, really. The one thing maybe that's interesting is that Chris Rodriguez scored two rushing touchdowns 
But he was seen in a walking boot after the game, so I don't know if he's going to be able to play next week. We'll have to see. Uh, there's nothing positive to talk about from the commander side. As for the Jets, Trevor Simeon sucks, so that's pretty much it. But Brees Hall had 16 targets, <laughs> caught 12 of them for 96 yards. And he had 20 catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and Garrett Wilson had nine catches for 76 yards on 15 targets. So even against the Browns, I'm still playing both of them in week uh, 17, as much as it hurts. The other thing to note for the Jets is Israel Abanaconda is the Jets' backup, not Dalvin Cook. Abanaconda had nine carries for 43 yards, 18% snap share. Cook didn't do anything. So Abanaconda might be an interesting stash. He's probably rostered in your league, but if somehow he's not, uh, I would make sure to add him to the roster. He'll be an interesting stash for next year. Next one, uh, the Colts versus the Falcons. Gardner Minshew story, uh, the clock struck midnight on Cinderella Gardner Minshew. 20 of 37 for 201 yards. He threw an interception. He took six sacks. Uh, he was nothing without Michael Pittman. It's very clear that he needs Michael Pittman to do anything. Because Michael Pittman was out, the defense stacked the box against Jonathan Taylor, who had 18 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. Only 59% of snaps seemed to be eased in a little. I expect that workload to go up a lot next week. As for the receiving core, there's just nothing here. Josh Downs was six catches for 39 yards on nine targets, 93% snap share, which was nice to see the snap share, but... I don't know. I mean, if this was all he could do without Michael Pittman in the lineup, I'm worried next year when they have Anthony Richardson, they're running the ball more. I'm a little worried that Josh Downs is someone who's a talented player, but didn't find himself in the right situation to be a successful fantasy wide receiver. Like I, how is he ever going to be? If Michael Pittman's healthy, how is he ever going to be in the top 30 on any week? Like rank starts it wise. I just don't see it. So it's tough to value Josh Downs. As for the Falcons, their offense was better with Taylor Heineke. 23 of 33 for 229 yards and a touchdown. So he, he helped. It looked better. It looked more competent. They also got Bijan Robinson involved. Finally. Finally, they got it right. Of course, next week they'll get it wrong. 75% snap share for Bijan Robinson. Seven catches for 50 yards on 10 targets. That was really good. Only 12 for 72 on the ground. That could be better. Tyler Algier only had a 20% snap share but he had nine carries for 69 yards and a touchdown and a catch for 19 yards. So he got a lot done on that 20% snaps. Cordero Patterson also had 20% snaps. Seven carries for 26 yards and two for seven. He looks cooked. I don't know why they're continuing to give him all this work. Unfortunately, the rushing game didn't translate into the receiving game. Drake London was four, three for 39 on four targets. Nothing special. He's a buy for me in Dynasty. I'm not concerned about London. John o. Smith actually had the most targets other than Bichon. He had four catches for 32 yards on six targets. And Kyle Pitts, he did score, but three for 49 and a touchdown. He got that touchdown, which is why we're happy, but it's just not what I want. Like 72% snap share, four targets. I mean, that's fine, but it's Kyle Pitts. I mean, this was supposed to be the best tight end ever. It's not there. So he's still a buy for me in Dynasty because people are so angry about Kyle Pitts that they don't rank him rationally. So I have him higher than consensus or ADP, but I am a little frustrated and I understand why. I just have to not allow that to impact my ranking too much. 
Uh, so he'll be a buy and definitely an ADP target in startup drafts this offseason by multiple rounds, I would say. Now it's time for the Seahawks and the Titans. So in case you haven't noticed, I've been pausing this uh, during the video and kind of getting up and clearing my head because what I've learned is that one 57-minute take is probably not as good as five 10 15 minute takes all put together i'm probably not going to do as good of a job so i know it might look a little rough on the slow transition there but i want to provide the best actionable content for you guys not you know worry about that kind of little stuff actionable and entertaining and i can do it so much better this way um so the seahawks they slipped by a small little victory probably saving geno smith's job uh, he went 25 of 36 for 227 and two touchdowns. He was fine. He was fine. Again, I think this saved his job. I think he's going to be back next year as the starter. I think they could draft a quarterback in the second round, but I don't think that they're going to like trade up to draft high-end quarterback or anything like that. As for the backfield, there is no backfield committee. Kenneth Walker had 16 carries and a reception. Zach Charbonnet had two carries and a reception. It was a 58 to 42% snap split, but there's no committee. And I feel bad for Zach Charbonnet. I think he's someone who could have been a starter on another team. But I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. There is no universe in which Zach Charbonnet is going to take the job from Kenneth Walker. I'll say that again. There is no universe in which Zach Charbonnet is going to take the job from Kenneth Walker. That's not going to happen. You need to value Zach Charbonnet accordingly, which is that he's a handcuff. And it sucks. It sucks. Injuries happen at the running back position. We never want to root for it. And it sucks that this is the situation that Zach Charbonnet is in, but this is the situation that Zach Charbonnet is in. So we have two more years where they're both under their rookie deals after this one. There's no getting out of this situation. So brutal. And I, I've lowered Zach Charbonnet. He's a sell for me. I think his value is only going to continue to go down, not up. People rank redraft next year, and they rank Zach Charbonnet at running back 40. I don't think that's going to make his dynasty value rise. So he's a sell for me, actually. As for the receivers, I'm over it. Tyler Lockett got the most targets. DK Metcalf scored on six targets. JSN had six for 61 on seven targets. I think that... Metcalf and Jason are better than Tyler Lockett. I don't know why the Seahawks don't see that. I, I disagree with their usage. You know, Metcalf and JSN did a lot better per target than Lockett. They just don't agree with me. So we're going to have to agree to disagree. But it is what it is. I think next year they're going to fix it. But JSN has looked good. Six for 61 is a good game. He's been good. If there's any buying window, take it. And as for Noah Fant, he played wind sprint game, 76% of snaps. He's still good. A team is going to sign him to be a starter. And I would love to have him on my dynasty roster if he's on waivers. He was the star of my first stash video. My opinion on him has not changed. The Seahawks just don't know how to use him. Um, As for the tight ends, Ryan Danahill is finished. 18 of 26 for 152 yards. He took six sacks. He looked horrible. Two for 37 on the ground, I guess, was one bright spot. He looked horrible. 
I don't know if he's going to play week 17. It's a meaningless game. I don't know why you would risk Will Levis. I don't know why you would play Ryan Tannehill. He's a free agent next year. Ryan, if Will Levis can't go, why not play Malik Willis? See what he has. It's a totally meaningless game. So there's nothing more to see in Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think he's going to get a starting job next year. I think the Falcons could bring him in as a veteran to kind of hang around, but that's about it. Arthur Smith connection there. Derrick Henry, so strange. Scored a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown this week. But Tajay Spears led him in snaps. Spears is getting more involved every week. Nine carries for 40 yards and five carries for 27 yards. Henry's not going to be there next year. Spears is going to be the starter. They'll bring in someone to play the Henry role, but it'll be reversed as to who's the lead back. Right now, the Henry role is the lead back. Next year, the receptions receiving role of Spears will be the lead back with having complemented by a grinder in the Henry role. So you'll, you'll have Spears as the lead back there. And he's certainly, uh, the PPR value is there. As for the receivers, Chigakonko, of course, now produces way too late. Six catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. The catch was from Henry. <laughs> what a shit show. Uh, the, DeAndre Hopkins, two for 20 on four targets, did nothing. Traylon Burks, two for 25 on three targets, did nothing. It's nice to see Burks getting a little bit more involved, but he feels like he's on the Rashad Bateman career path, which is sad. Next, Lions and Vikings. Jared Goff was accurate. Completed 75% of his passes, 257 yards, a touchdown. He got, the, he got the job done. The running back split work again, but Jameer Gibbs was better. He scored two rushing touchdowns. He had four receptions on seven targets, 58% snap share. Montgomery suffered a little bit of an injury. It looked like that limited his time. He was 17 for 55 and one on the ground. Not super effective. Jameer Gibbs is the lead back. David Montgomery, more hit or miss. And I think we're even going to go more toward that way next year. As for the receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown is dominant. 12 catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. He's the only one that every week is going to dominate. This week, Sam Laporta, only three catches for 18 yards on three targets, but he had 95% of snaps. I wouldn't panic. It happens. Amon Ross St. Brown is just so dominant that it's going to be a little bit variable for everyone behind him. I have no fears with Sam Laporta. It's just important to remember that every tight end can do this. Every tight end can have a bad game. There is no 2022 Travis Kelsey this year. There is nobody who is completely reliable, not even Sam Laporta. So I still have him ranked in the top three next week, and that's my dynasty tight end one. And Jameson Williams, 5 for, 50, five for 43 on six targets. It's a nice game, but we're still playing that 58% of snaps role. It's not good enough. It's just not good enough. So I'm kind of a little concerned about him. And he's a sell for me if uh, the tribe is still active, which they are. Um, as for the Vikings, man, <laughs> they lost TJ Hawkinson for the year. Jordan Addison, they lost probably as well. Nick Mullins had 411 yards and four interceptions. So it's Jay, full Jameis Winston. Ty Chandler dominated the backfield, but he had eight carries for 17 yards and a touchdown. 65% of snaps. Madison saw no time at all. They used no halfback on 26% of snaps. That's what they thought of their halfbacks in this game. So Ty Chandler's the better back, but I am worried. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe next week will be different. It's against Green Bay, I believe. So we're not going to have the same problem. I have Ty Chandler at running back 21. Because he's going to get all the work. So hopefully it's not this much of a blowout. As for the Vikings receivers, KJ Osborne's making himself some money for free agency. 
95 yards and a touchdown on seven targets, 85% snap share. Uh, we know that Hawkinson is out. My guess is that Addison is out. So if they're both out, KJ Osborne is a play in week, uh, in your championship week, if you are desperate. Uh, right now, I have him at wide receiver 46, but that might move up as we go throughout the week. Uh, but he's someone to watch for sure. And in free agency, he's going to get a contract more than you probably think. Uh, moving on to the next game, Packers versus Panthers. This one kind of, eh. Jordan Love, he played well considering that all of his receivers were out. Christian Watson missed the game. Uh, Jaden Reed missed the game. Octavian Wicks went out early with a chest injury, but Love still managed 17 of 28, 219 yards and two touchdowns and a rushing score. He's their clear starter for 2024 and might even be a buy in Dynasty because he has done well even without all these weapons. Imagine what it'll look like when the weapons are healthy. Aaron Jones came back to being the clear starter and A.J. Dillon was outsnapped by Patrick Taylor. So even though A.J. Dillon vultured the rushing touchdown, he's totally unplayable. As for the wide receivers, Romeo Dubs served as the wide receiver one with all these injuries. 88% of snaps, four catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. He's okay, but I think it's clear even that Dontavian Wicks is maybe even more talented than Romeo Dubs. I'm not sure. But Dontavian Wicks shows like special things that Romeo Dubs is just okay. I think it's very clear that with everyone healthy, Jaden Reed is kind of the volume one. Christian Watson is the big play, like traditional one. And the other wide receivers are behind them. Romeo Dubs is like just a guy. And Dontavian Wicks is kind of more gadgety player. They'll split the wide receiver three role, but Watson and Reed are the top receivers on the team. And, you know, we'll have to see. What I'm more interested in is the tight end. Tucker Craft, 92% of snaps, four for 60 on six targets. Did he steal the starting job from Luke Musgrave? I would lean no. I would lean that he hasn't. I think Luke Musgrave was the better player coming into the league. He won the starting job initially, and he's played fine as the starter, and he now has missed some time with a lacerated kidney, like not a, you know, once it's fixed, it's fixed kind of injury. It's not something that can reoccur. So I'd lean that Musgrave is still the starter, but we'll see. We'll see what their prices are in the offseason. It's a situation I'm eyeing closely. I would love to see Musgrave return and see what the split is like. But um, not if you want to start Tucker Craft in your lineup. Musgrave being active would be enough to take me off of starting Craft in, in fantasy. As for the Panthers, this was Bryce Young's best game. 23 of 36 for 316 yards and 4 for 17 rushing. Tuba Hubbard remained the workhorse on the ground. 16 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. One catch for 8 yards, 64% snap share. Miles Sanders had 3 carries for 3 yards and 1 catch for 5 yards. Nothing. Miles Sanders is cooked. Uh, he has no real dynasty value. And then um, it's I love to see Amir Smith-Marset in a dual role. Two carries for 33 yards and a rushing touchdown on the ground and one for 18 on one target, 32% snap share. I love to see that. As for the other wide receivers, DJ Chark led the day, six carries for 98 yards and two touchdowns and eight targets, but he only played 73% of snaps. Adam Thielen. Six for 94 and eight targets, 88% of snaps. And what was Jonathan Mingo doing? One for nine on one target, 92% of snaps. He was out there all the time and did absolutely nothing. Jonathan Mingo looks like a bust to me. He looks like a bust. He's playing all of his time and doing absolutely nothing with it. Those are the players I'm the most concerned about. And I do think that Adam Thielen will probably actually be back next year. Mingo will be there. Chark will probably be gone and will be placed with a much scarier version of Chark like T. Higgins. So Jonathan Mingo couldn't do it now. 
I don't think he's going to do it next year. So he's he's a sell for me. I'm, I'm kind of done. Although I don't know what you can get. Uh, sell low, I suppose. Uh, but that's enough about the Panthers. Once again, I want to thank uh, anyone who's still here. <laughs> I know it's a long show. If you're here in the premiere chat, I appreciate all of your questions. I'm there answering them. Future me is answering them. Past me is here now talking about these games. Of course, make sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Very important. Very important to do that. Because <laughs> uh, we want people to see this, right? We want people to see this. Uh, you know, see me uh, saying a lot of things, some of which are smart, others of which, you know, not so much. Uh, nobody can be perfect. But I just hope that you guys are enjoying this, getting something actionable out of it. And uh, yeah. Let me know what you know what you want to see on the channel as well. I'm always interested in hearing about that uh, because, of course, you guys are the audience. So you decide if the video is successful or not. So what the audience thinks is what we want to deliver, right? With that said, let's get into the Browns and Texans. Uh, sorry for that delay. Um, Joe Flacco, <laughs> he's turned back the clock. Yes. If only the Jets had signed Joe Flacco, they would be a playoff team now and not failure, Zach Wilson. He had 368 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He was excellent. Excellent. The main takeaways are that Joe Flacco's great. He should be their 2024 starter. Semi-seriously. Semi-seriously. The backfield does not have the 2024 starter. Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, and Pierre Strong all look ugh, meh. They need, a, they need Nick Chubb back. This team misses Nick Chubb. The fact that Without Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson, they are still in this position. Shows just how good, you know, Andrew Barry did of a job of building the rest of this roster. He should get general manager, executive of the year. I mean, he's done an excellent job building this team. Uh, despite the bad Deshaun, horrible Deshaun Watson contract. How good must the rest have been to still be this good? Uh, but enough about that. Amari Cooper, a day for the ages. I'm, he's going to be on the cover of this show. I just decided that in this moment. 11 catches, 265 yards, and two touchdowns, 15 targets. He, he crushed you. If he, if he went against him, he crushed you. If you had him, you won. Pretty much always. I didn't see many winners without, who went against him or losers who had him. So, Yeah. Uh, not much about the rest of the receivers, although I will say that both Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman are kind of fading. They're not doing anything. I think the Browns are going to add another receiver to complement Amari Cooper and David and Joku and compete with Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman. So I'm a little worried about both of those two. As for the Texans, they did something I've never seen, and they rotated quarterbacks. I've never seen that. Davis Mills played better than Case Keenum, but who cares? Uh, CJ Stroud is going to be back next week. Devin Singletary was the lead back. Wasn't super effective because he didn't have that much volume. Only 44% of snaps. Dari Gumbawale had 41% of snaps and barely saw a touch. Weird game. Damian Pierce is not in, although he looked good on the kickoff return. Uh, yeah. So, again, I think, I don't know. I mean, they could add another running back. Damian Pierce is not it. They're either bringing back this backfield with Devin Singletary as the starter or they're going to get someone even better than Devin Singletary next year. 
As for the receiving game, Dalton Schultz is picking it up. Eight for 61, 11 targets, 79% of snaps. He's either going to be the starter here or somewhere else, but he's going to have another job next year, another fantasy-relevant position. As for the rest of it, Nico Collins seemed limited coming off the calf. He did score, but he only had 18 yards on six targets, 47% snap share. Um, Noah Brown was the wide receiver one-ish, three for 38 on seven targets, 81% of snaps. Robert Woods is washed. They should give more time to Xavier Hutchinson and John Mechie. And once again, Xavier Hutchinson played again ahead of John Mechie. So if you're looking for a stash on the Texans, it's Xavier Hutchinson for me, not John Mechie. And I talked about that on recent, recent Dynasty Stash videos. Moving into the Jaguars and Buccaneers. We talked about Trevor Lawrence's injuries. Um, Travis Etienne, man, 73% of snaps resulted in 31 yards uh, on the ground and through the air combined. Nine touches, total disaster. Tank Bigsby didn't even enter the game. So Travis Etienne for me, I worry that someone better than Tank Bigsby is going to, or Dearness Johnson is going to be added to compete with Travis Etienne. And I will say this, I think we saw it in this game, is Travis Etienne worth $14 million a year? And the answer is absolutely not. No way. He's not worth it. They're going to play hardball with him. He's up for potential contract negotiation. I think they decline the fifth-year option on Travis Etienne. Play out this year. Play hardball with Travis Etienne. He's not worth $14 million. He's just not. He's not even worth $10 million. He's worth, like, realistically, over a replacement-level running back, maybe $8 million. He's not going to take that. So they're going to play hardball with him. And this is a situation where I am scared of that situation in the offseason. So totally out on Travis Etienne. He's been way overvalued all season. Uh, and for Dynasty, these players are just the kind of players I don't ever roster. Uh, you can get running back production later for a fraction of the cost. Or a stud like Jameer Gibbs much earlier in their career. But Travis Etienne, no thank you. As for the receiving game, uh, Evan Ingram, 15 targets, 10 for 95. He, he was great. Tom Ridley scored two touchdowns. Little disappointed that Parker Washington didn't stand out uh, with Zay Jones out, but you know it is what it is. They need Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk made this offense go. The offense is not the same without Christian Kirk. As for the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, twenty-five for twenty-six for thirty-five for two hundred eighty-three yards and two touchdowns. He's their twenty-twenty-four starter. There's no doubt for me anymore. He's their guy. Rashad White was the workhorse again. Twenty-six touches. 68% snap share is a little lower than usual, but I'm not concerned. Uh, Chase Edmonds was the one who mixed in behind him. I don't know why they don't give Sean Tucker any work, but it, it, it is what it is. And the wide receivers had a, a huge game. Chris Godwin, seven, six, for, six catches, 78 yards on 11 targets. Solid game. Mike Evans, seven catches, 86 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. Very interested to see what Mike Evans does against the Saints on championship week. We know against the Saints, always very interesting to see Mike Evans. We'll see what happens. Trey Palmer is fading away a little. Fell down to 53% snap share. He's losing some playing time. And I don't know what's going on with Kate Odden, but he had one target on 97% of snaps. He must be getting used as a blocker more often. What I think is that um, Mike Evans is a free agent. Are they going to be able to retain him? He's done so well here. I mean, if he runs it back with Baker Mayfield, he's probably going to be a value in drafts next year. If he goes elsewhere, we'll see. But I'd love if he went to the Chiefs, obviously. Uh, but it's a situation to watch. 
because they're probably not going to be able to pay Baker Mayfield like 20 to 25 million or 30 million and re-sign Mike Evans and keep Chris Godwin under his current contract. So something is going to give there. So situation to watch. Next up, Cardinals versus Bears. I will say, Kyler Murray looks a bit meh. 24 for 38, 230 yards and two touchdowns, five for 32 rushing. If the Cardinals have the second overall pick, what are they going to do? Are they going to trade Kyler Murray and take Drake May? Are they going to take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are they going to trade down to try to accumulate more overall assets? Which of those three things? It's almost impossible for the Cardinals to have the number one overall pick. Their strength of schedule is superior, far superior to the Panthers. So the Cardinals would need to lose both games and the Panthers win both games for that to happen. It's possible. I think the Cardinals had the one pick. I do think that they would explore trading Kyler Murray and taking Caleb Williams. But that's almost certainly not going to happen. I still think they'd rather roll with Kyler Murray than, you know, take Drake, you know, take Drake May. So I think the choice is do they take Marvin Harrison Jr. or do they trade the pick away for a haul and, and try to get more overall assets? Like, would you rather have, you know, the, you know, Malik Neighbors or someone like that and multiple other picks or Marvin Harrison Jr., I think is their question. As for the um, running backs, James Conner remained the lead back, 59% snap share, five for 67 and one through the air. Imari DiMarcado was the clear running back too and had seven catches. Kind of interesting there, but I don't think that's something we can rely on. And Michael Carter was totally benched. As for the receivers, the, the running back receiving usage crushed any hope for the receivers. Trey McBride was the only one who got anything. Eight targets, six catches, 31 yards. Everyone else kind of did much, not much. Michael Wilson, 90% of snaps, four targets, caught none of them. I think he's going to have better days, but we'll see. I, I love the talent, but it's just never coming together for him. As for the Bears, Justin Fields won the game, but it's not going to save him. He had 27 attempts. He completed 15 of them for 170 yards. Like, that's not good enough. One touchdown, one interception. Nine carries for 97 yards and a touchdown on the ground rushing. That's great. Justin Fields is just the worst version of Lamar Jackson in every way. And it's not good enough. Like, he's not winning games. He's not good enough as a passer. He really hasn't improved much in the, over the three years. So, I think they're going to move on. If they have the number one overall pick, which they are very likely to have, I think they're going to move on. And they're going to take Caleb Williams. They're going to trade Justin Fields away. Um, and that's it. As for the running backs, now Khalil Herbert becomes a workhorse. Although he did only have 51% of snaps to 46 for Roshan Johnson. Uh, Khalil Herbert had 112 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So he dominated. I still think the Bears 2024 starting running back is not on the roster, though. As for the receivers... Both Cole Komet and DJ Moore suffered some sort of injury. Komet's knee injury was more serious. Uh, as for DJ Moore, he'll probably play next week, but we'll have to see how healthy he is. It was an ankle injury. And Darnell Mooney needs a new team in 2024. Let's hop into the Cowboys and Dolphins. Jack Prescott was fine. 20 of 32 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, and five for 25 rushing. The backfield didn't get it done. Tony Pollard had 70% of snaps and a accumulated 43 total yards, wasn't good enough. Rico Dattles fading away. And the fullback, Hunter Lupique, was involved and fumbled. I don't know what was going on there. As for the receiving, CeeDee Lamb was great. 118 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. Chris, Ver uh, Chris Ferguson. 
why was I thinking Chris? Oh, poker Chris Ferguson. Why was that in my mind? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Um, Jake Ferguson, uh, four catches for 45 yards on eight targets, 83% snap share. He's the clear second weapon. Brandon Cooks, 79% snap share, but just two for 14 and one on two targets. Did have that touchdown. Jalen Tolbert and Michael Gallup had bit part roles. And Luke Schoonmaker feels like a bust. 28% of snaps, turns 26 in September. I just think he's never going to reclaim, never going to claim that role from Jake Ferguson ever. So he feels like a bust. If you need the roster spot in short dynasty leagues, short bench dynasty leagues, you can drop him. As for Jalen Waddell, he had an injury, eye injury, then a shin injury, which ended up being a high ankle sprain. It hurt the offense. Tua was fine. 24 of 37 for 293 yards and touchdown. He, he got the job done. As for the backfield, it was stunningly very meh. Raheem Mostert, 11 and 40, for 46 on the ground and a catch. Four-yard touchdown catch which saved his day. Dealt with injuries. Just 29% snap share. Devon Achan, seven carries, 24 yards. One catch for seven. 55% snap share, but didn't do anything with it. And then Jeff Wilson got involved. 23% of snaps and six touches. I'm scared against Baltimore this week. Very scared that this entire backfield is going to be scripted out and that without Jalen Waddle, we often, they're going to stack the box, uh, focus on Tyree Kill, and focus on stopping the running game and Tyree Kill. And, you know, when you have Hill, Waddle, and the running game, it's hard to stop all three. But when you take Waddle away, you have enough defense to be able to focus on Hill in the running game and do your best against both. So you're not going to stop Tyree Kill, but slow him down. But yeah, I'm worried. But if you have Raheem Mostert, assuming he's a full go, you probably have to play him as hard as it is. As for the receivers, Tyree Kill looked very good, very healthy. Nine for 99 and 14 targets. He's a star. The rest of the team did nothing once Waddle got hurt. Durham Smythe was getting involved. You see that this offense needs Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle to move. And I think they need either some sort of wide receiver three or some sort of tight end who's something like, you don't need to rely on them, but you need a third option in the offense. You can't just proceed with what you have. They don't have enough depth in case there's an injury like there was in this game. If you're still here, I appreciate you for uh, sticking with me throughout this very long video. <laughs> uh, but let's jump into the Patriots and the Broncos. So Bailey Zappi looks looked pretty good. 25 of 33 for... Uh, 256 yards and two touchdowns. He might have even cost the Patriots Drake May, which I'm sure he loves. I don't know what we think about it. It might lead to the Patriots getting Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think we're going to like that. The backfield did, Patriots backfield did nothing on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott had 83% snap share, but he got all his work done through the air. Nine uh, catches for 33 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. 83% of snaps. We'll see if Ramondre Stevenson can make it back this week. As for the receivers, uh, DeMario Douglas had the most production, but he played third most snaps, five catches for 74 yards and eight targets. I like him, but I think he's like just okay. Like, I don't think he's going to be like a superstar fantasy producer ever. So you have to be careful in how much value we assign him in Dynasty. Uh, Devontae Parker, Jalen Rager saw playing time. This offense is a mess. We'll see if, I don't even know. Mike Kosicki was kind of interesting. He did catch a touchdown. I'd love, I've mentioned him in the Dynasty Stash video recently. We'll see. He needs a new team. 
As for the Broncos, the whole offense was ruined when Cortland Sutton was ruled out with a concussion very early. Russell Wilson was kind of meh. 25 of 36 for 237 yards and two touchdowns. The backfield was even more meh. Javante Williams, 12 carries. For 12, 11 carries, 24 yards and a touchdown. Three catches for negative five yards, 39% snapshot. He's completely lost his hold on the backfield. He's no longer a high-end running back asset in Dynasty. He's plummeting down my Dynasty ranks. As for the receivers, none of them did much. Marvin Mims, 43% snap share in a game where Cortland Sutton got hurt is terrifying. Why was he not more involved? Jerry Judy couldn't pick up the slack either. Lucas Kroll was catching a touchdown. Brandon Johnson getting involved. This entire offense needs to go in the garbage can. I don't know what they're going to do next year, but uh, they need some new receivers. And I think Jerry Judy is going to be gone. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. As for the Raiders and the Chiefs, <laughs> the Raiders' offense, there's nothing to talk about. They scored two defensive touchdowns. Aiden O'Connell had 62 passing yards. They were all in the first quarter. And Zamir White was the only one who did anything. He had 22 carries for 145 yards on a 76% snap share. He was great. No one else did anything at all. The receiving game, you can throw in the complete garbage bin. It is what it is. When you score two defensive touchdowns and the offense can't move at all, nothing's going to happen in the receiving game. I will say that it looked like they missed Michael Meyer. He is kind of a key part of their receiving offense, and he might have been more valuable than I think even people realized. As for the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco left with a concussion. He was ruled out. Patrick Mahomes struggled to elevate the rest of the offense because everyone else is so bad other than Rasheed Rice. Isaiah Pacheco didn't do anything before getting hurt. I mean, he did score, but he had 11 carries for 26 yards and a touchdown and four receptions for zero yards. He didn't do anything. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not better on the ground. He had four carries for six yards. He did have one long catch, three catches for 42 yards. He'll be the starter, I guess, in week 17. What a mess. As for the receiving game, it needs not one but two more weapons. Rasheed Rice, six catches for 57 yards and 12 targets. He's the clear wide receiver one. Everyone else was horrible. Travis Kelsey looks 100% cooked. Cooked. Terrible. Doesn't look good anymore. Four, five catches for 44 yards, seven targets. Bad drops. Looks slow. I, I think he's done. I think he's done. It, it, time hits you really fast for the NFL. And I think this is it for Travis Kelsey. He's like my dynasty tight end eight. Like, all the way down there. I just... Yeah, I have no interest in Travis Kelsey. People are still saying, I mean, I still have people telling me he's the dynasty tight end one. I mean, those people are out of their minds. He's not a top five dynasty tight end. I think six or seven is kind of where you start to have the conversation. Uh, and Noah Gray should be rostered in all dynasty leagues just in case Travis Kelsey retires. I don't actually believe in Noah Gray, but in case Travis Kelsey retires, you'll have flip value on Noah Gray. Speaking of an irrelevant offense, the Giants offense, they benched Tommy DeVito for Tyrod Taylor. It, nothing really happened, but uh, yeah, they both suck. Saquon Barkley was good, though. Uh, 23 for 80 and a touchdown on the ground, three for four receiving, 89% snap share. I really hope they just let him find a new team and don't franchise tag him again. The receiving game, speaking of washed tight ends, Darren Waller looks really washed. Old, slow, five targets, caught two of them for 32 yards, split snaps evenly with Daniel Bellinger, who outproduced him, more receptions, more yards. I'm kind of done with Darren Waller. And Darius Slayton was the lead receiver. Three catches, 91 yards, and touchdown on three targets, 94% snap share. Wondell Robinson had seven targets. Kind of look meh, just 16 yards. And Jalen Hyatt is looking like he's been benched. 
56% snap share, no targets, nowhere to be found. He's not it. He's he's not the answer. They're going to add another wide receiver, maybe multiple other wide receivers. It's not going to be the Jalen Hyatt show, especially not in this offense. As for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts did just enough, um, you know, 23-48 for um, 301 yards. Uh, touchdown interception and eight for 34 rushing on with touchdown on the ground. DeAndre Swift finally got in the end zone, finally broke his streak of going down at the one. Still only had 57% of snaps compared to 40% for Kenneth Gainwell. I don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Swift in free agency. He's a free agent after this year. I don't think he's worth a franchise tag. I think if they can get a team-friendly deal done with him, they'll do it. But similar to Miles Sanders, if they can't get the team-friendly deal, I think they'll let him walk. Uh, would they sign DeAndre Swift to the same contract that Miles Sanders had last year? Uh, probably not. I mean, maybe they would. I don't know. But we'll have to see. And the receiving game's the same old story. Uh, A.J. Brown, 6 of 80 on 11 targets. Devonta Smith, 479, 4 for 79 and 1 touchdown on 5 targets. And Dallas Goddard, 7 catches for 71 yards on 9 targets. It, it kind of all got there because... The two players who had the more receptions didn't score the touchdown. Smith scored the touchdown on the fewer uh, targets. So they all kind of got there, but the margin is so thin because they run at the goal line so often that Jalen Hurts has all these rushing touchdowns. The margin is very thin for running backs. The margin is very thin for their three receiving weapons. So it's just kind of a tough offense uh, to really rely on anyone to be super high end, although you have to play A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard every single week. As for the last game, the Ravens and the 49ers, well, the Ravens were good. Lamar Jackson was really great. 23 for 35, 252 yards, and two touchdowns through the air. Seven carries for 45 yards on the ground. Unfortunately, the backfield really misses Keaton Mitchell. Gus Edwards was fine. Nine carries for 31 yards and touchdown on the ground and one catch for 39 yards, that one big broken play. But he only had 43% of snaps. Actually having Justice Hill on the field and getting touches is the problem. 10 carries for 26 yards and three catches for 31 yards and 62% of snaps. It's got to change. But of course, this wasn't what was planned. J.K. Dobbins was supposed to be the workhorse back. So they're going to fix this next offseason. I think they want to get Keaton Mitchell involved, but with an ACL tear so late in the season, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so this will be a backfield to watch. As for the receiving game, Zay Flowers reclaimed the wide receiver one role very clearly. Nine catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets, 78% of snaps. Isaiah Likely, three catches for 56 yards on four targets, 74% of snaps. But his time is coming to an end. When Mark Andrews comes back, Andrews is going to be the clear starter. Likely is going to go back to nothing. So... I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to wait for Mark Andrews to go away or Isaiah Likely to be on another team for Isaiah Likely to be usable. He's not going to be usable if Mark Andrews is active. we got to remember that. As for the receivers, Bateman, Odell Beckham, and Aguilar all had exactly 54% of snaps. So because of that, they're all kind of even. Aguilar caught the touchdown this week. OBJ, I say, looks the best of the three. Rashad Bateman had four targets. He dropped one of them, but he technically had the most yards. I'm not starting any of them in week 17. If I had to pick one, it would still be OBJ. I guess I do think he looks the best of the three, but 
they're all unreliable. Rashad Bateman, I think, just needs a new team. It just isn't working here. Uh, and they're certainly not going to pick up his fifth-year option this offseason. As for the 49ers, well, Brock Purdy exited with a neck stinger injury, but he was vile. <laughs> 32 attempts. He only completed 18 of them. 255 yards is fine, but four interceptions is really bad. Sam Darnold came in eight for 14 for 81 yards, touchdown and a pick. I guess he was a little better, not really. But Christian McCaffrey uh, made his MVP case. I think it's really between him and Lamar Jackson after this game. CMC had 14 carries, 103 yards and a touchdown and six catches on 28 yards, for 28 yards and 10 targets. That's a down game for CMC. It's crazy that someone who has a touchdown on the ground and six receptions, and that's like 25 PPR points, that's a down game for him. He played 100% of snaps. I cannot remember the last time I saw a running back play 100% of snaps. That never happens. Christian McCaffrey is just different. He's just different. So league winner, uh, if you have him. As for the receiving game, it's very strange. Debo Samuel this week was the left out weapon. There's usually one. CMC always gets there, but Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo, one of them usually gets left out. This week it was Debo, but it wasn't because he didn't see touches. It was because he didn't do anything on those touches. George Kittle led the way, seven catches for 126 yards on 10 targets, 82% of snaps. Brandon Ayuk, six catches for 113 yards on seven targets, 94% of snaps. Debo Samuel, four for 47 on 12 targets. 12 targets and two carries for seven yards rushing. He just didn't get in the end zone and didn't do anything with the 12 targets. 96% of snaps. I love the usage shares. 100% snaps for D- CMC. 96 for Debo. 94 for Ayuk. 89 for Kittle. They're always on the field, but unfortunately, Ronnie Bell caught a touchdown on the 4% of snaps he had and the only target he saw. And when that happens in this offense, it's just such a thin margin for CMC Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo. Remember, with Eagles, we were talking about it being thin for three wide receivers, three receivers to get there, and they don't have CMC on that offense. So it's an even thinner margin here. So that one Ronnie Bell touchdown, kind of, you know, Debo Samuel, if that touchdown had gone to Debo, he would have gotten there. But unfortunately, he was the one kind of the bust of the week. But you see that the offense is based around CMC, Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo, and no one else gets involved at all. So I still love all of them. Brock Purdy is going to be a buy after this week. People always overreact. When a player costs them their fantasy championship, goes, oh, I don't want that player. A lot of people with T. Higgins, oh, I don't want T. Higgins. Oh, he burned me. Oh, I don't want him. Well, I mean, if you had him in your lineup the last two weeks, you'd probably be advancing to the, the finals. So... One one year, a player can burn you. The next year, a player is your savior. It just doesn't work that way. Amari Cooper had burned people many, many, many fantasy championships. And of course, this year, he's the savior. So that that is not analysis. That's just mostly random. Um, but yeah, people are selling Brock Purdy in uh, Superflex Dynasty. I'm still buying for any even mid-first in Superflex. Probably as long as it's not a top five pick, I'm still buying Brock Purdy. Uh, well, we're at the end of this uh, marathon show. If you made it to the end, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the video. Of course, you can leave a super chat, super sticker uh, as part of the monetization of the YouTube channel. The best way to support me, though, is to sign up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash fantasy advice. Link is in the top right corner in the show comments, probably in the live chat, all of that. Um, and of course, if you want to check out the rest of the content on the YouTube 
All of my Dynasty videos are right here and you can check all of them out. I'm going to have some sort of Dynasty video later this week, more Dynasty stashes. And then we're going to start our off-season Dynasty content. It's going to be very, very exciting. But until next time, I want to thank everyone for watching and I will see you all later. Peace out.